Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Phenomenal opportunity for us to be able to sit there and come together uh, as... as um Children of God, uh, we all come from different uh, backgrounds. We all come from different uh, families. And sometimes it's, it is awesome to be able to um, journey with people, learn where they've come from. Uh, and I think it's uh, sometimes it's the most powerful thing is to actually see what God is doing in, uh, in people's lives. Uh, during the week, uh, I had the opportunity of coming alongside two young people uh, you guys know them. Uh, most of the pe- most of the people know them uh, as they've been a part of our church family for a while. But uh, a lot of times we don't actually know um, their story. Uh, they they turn up on a Sunday, but um, a lot of the times we don't get to know people's um, journey uh, as they're journeying who God is in their life and who it is to them. So I want to introduce our first person. Um, all this is is just a really short clip uh, of what's going on in their life, and when I say a really short clip all it is is just an exposure um and i've asked them just to say um people need hope during this time and this is a message that i can't give word justice to so i'm going to introduce the first one her name's sky uh, you guys know sky and i'm going to hand over to um her now why did i come back i came back to church because church is home to me basically um Previously in my life, I've done a lot of terrible, terrible things that I regret big in my life now. And um, I was into narcotics and marijuana, and it became me, it became who I was. Um, I was that addicted to it that I just, I didn't really care what anyone else thought. I didn't really care what anyone else did. It was just, I knew that I was doing it. Um... I had a really, really rough night one night where I just went full out and um, I woke up the next day and realised that it's that's not the life that I want for myself or for even like anyone in my family because I know that they were suffering with watching me what I was going through. Um, church is, like I said, my home. It is been the place where I have been able to go and be myself and not be judged and I just I love the church family so much because they've always been there for me no matter what and I guess God brought me back to church for a reason and that is to bring hope and so here I am bringing hope and I pray for all the church and everyone as well. Very hard um, expressing what goes on in people's hearts individually. Um, so it's it's hats off to, to, to Sky for sharing that. But I think that there is a massively powerful message in there. Uh, and I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks and months whilst we're going through this that we are able to not just have short clips but also uh, long journeys of, of people's lives and, and God working miraculously in, in different ways. Um, so 
hats off if you if you got contact with Sky. Um, make sure that you check in with her, uh, and um, she's a she's a wonderful human being, uh, and look forward to seeing um, what God is doing in her life, but also where she's where she's come from. Actually, hearing her testimony. The next person, um, most of you know, uh, a lot of the times he's he's either up on the stage, uh, he's been involved in a lot of the leadership and, and things like that. But um, next person is Alex. So I'm going to hand over to him in a second. But we've also got uh, a testimony for him as well that we'll be showing over the next uh, couple of weeks as well. So hand over to Blake after Alex now. Uh, I've chosen to choose God over the worldly um, desires and stuff that's put in front of me, I guess, because I feel like everyone would know that the satisfaction of the world will only last for a brief moment, moment but God's everlasting. And there's something about even saying that that fills me with joy and <laughs> fills me with hope, I guess. Um, there was a lot of points in my recent life where the world had taken over my view. But um, I guess the saying, Jesus, take the wheel, had kind of popped into my head. And there was points where I'd just given Jesus everything and he'd show me what it's like to live an eternal and an abundant life rather than a life filled with one-timers and just short, brief happiness. That isn't actually happiness. It's, it's just a cover-up of my sadness. Uh, I choose God because he fills me with the stuff that I want to bring other people. Hope, joy, fulfillment. Let me pray. Uh, then we're going to get into the message for today. I'm really excited about this message. Um, as it started coming together, uh, I was a little bit wary of it, but uh, at the back end of it, uh, I really think it's got a, not just an encouraging message, uh, an impactive message, but uh, a, a chance or a challenge or an invitation um, for for us to be able to take in what God is doing. So, Lord, I just pray for what is about to go on. I pray for the words that come out of my mouth that are not of me, not of my desire, not of my wants, not of my ability, Lord, but of you. I pray for the movement that happens. It is more than what we can expect in this time where we can't gather together. Lord, I commit this service. I commit my words. I commit everything to you, Lord, as we rely on you far greater than what we can think. Lord, centre us. Lord, allow us to just be present in what you're doing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the 25th of April every year, starting from 1915, after Australia and New Zealand became witnesses to the new army of volunteer soldiers. At this time, the brave soldiers went out to the Gallipoli Peninsula to claim Constantinople, the capital of the Ottoman Empire and one of Germany's allies. On the 25th of April, the Anzacs landed, but the Ottoman Turkish defenders were ready for the attack. The soldiers knew that winning was impossible. Nevertheless, they continued to fight for eight months Notwithstanding the hardships, bloodshed, and the loss of over 8,000 lives. My family were personally affected in World War II, when once again the Anzacs joined forces 
to stand, fight, and consequently die during the six years the war flooded our history. In this time, my grandfather was in the war and served. He was captured and held prisoner in a POW camp where whilst he was still alive, I remember asking him what it was like. His reply, only just thinking about it this week, absolutely astounded me. His reply was this. It was agonising, painful and devastating. Devastatingly traumatising, I remember him saying. But the back end of that was, but worth it because the outcome of the bigger picture. At the end of last year, into the beginning of this year, we were all witnesses to a devastating, life-changing event that ripped through Australia, the bushfires. More than 18.6 million hectares, which is 46 million acres of land, was burnt. Thousands of people evacuated all over the country with just under 6,000 buildings destroyed, which included just under 3,000 homes. 34 people lost their lives and an estimated devastating 1 billion animals were killed. Everyone was affected in some way, shape or form during this time. If you weren't directly affected a bit, uh, with it, you would have been affected by the smoke that lingered through all major cities and towns across Australia and even travelled 11,000 kilometres across the South Pacific. Speaking to a few of my friends who are permanent and volunteer firefighters that were involved in the attempt to contain and stop the fire front, the responses that I got were, it is near impossible to stop. The places that the fire is at, we are unable to get to. There is nothing that we can do at the front. The front of the fire is just too big and overwhelming. There is practically nothing we can do other than just wait for an opportunity to get on top of it, which is not assured. Scary, hey? And all of this is off the back of one of the worst droughts in recorded history in Australia. Well, imagine being those men and women that not only sacrificed their time and families, but their lives, working 12 to 24-hour shifts, going into complete danger. Yes, they may have had the skills and the training and the ability to fight what they could, but the state of time was labelled completely unpredictable and utterly dangerous. Today, we had organised a celebration of sacrifice that was made by all the people that were involved in those fires. We had one of our family members indicate, initiate uh, this wonderful gesture and organise it, which was a morning tea for the firefighters. She sent out letters and organised people to cook just to celebrate and say thank you. To not only acknowledge what had been done, but to simply say, as I said before, thank you. Today we sit with another crisis situation. With another group of people all around the world stepping up and sacrificing their own health and safety to help others. 
I'm talking about the medical staff, our doctors, nurses, ambos, police, and all essential frontline workers that are involved in making sure that we are safe during this COVID-19. I'm not too sure whether you guys have seen or experienced or heard of all of these people just praying for, for the frontline workers. But also, the frontline workers are praying, making sure that everything is okay, making sure that everything is, is above board and, and is coming together to make sure that everyone is safe during this time. But what is sacrifice? Sacrifice in, in, the, in the English dictionary is split up into three things, and I found this amazing, that the first one is this. Sacrifice is an act of slaughtering an animal or person or surrendering a possession as an offering to a deity. We're going to go into that a little bit more later on, but I found that amazing that when you look it up in, in the dictionary, this is the first one. The second one is this. Christ's offering of himself in the crucifixion. But the last one is the one that I want to concentrate on just at the moment. And I've got a video at the back end of this just to be able to sit there and break it open just a little bit more. An act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else, regarded as more important or worthy. I have a video that's, that explains um, sacrifice within the Bible. Please enjoy. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice, but there's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead, and we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil, like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice. Hmm. You know, therefore, you know, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of evil, because they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good. He should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest. I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know, it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. 
The blood represents life. And the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant, and not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people, and his life would be offered as a sacrifice. And this is the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel, suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that word ransom refers to a sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in this world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us, so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil, which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual of animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is this sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and his resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper, which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source. The very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. So we have this ultimate sacrifice that we've been exploring this month. That's why we named it Sacrifice and Surrender. 
we started off with the preparation Sunday. Uh, then we went into our Good Friday and then our Resurrection Sunday. And then last week, Perse explored uh, the aftermath, explored how Jesus impacted our lives just with that sacrifice to be able to, to move through us today. So today's message is for those that are taking notes, and I'm hoping that you will because there's going to be a fair few Bible verses for us to explore, not just today, but throughout this week. That's why I'm hoping that, that, um, that you're able to explore outside of just the message this morning uh, in the Bible because for me the best um, the best method of being able to impart um, things that God is saying is to be able to revisit things, uh, even uh, though we may not understand it at the at the uh, at the time of uh, being exposed to it. We may understand it if we revisit it and allow the Spirit to wash over us with that vo- with that voice of the author, with the voice of of God, with the voice of those words being leaping off the the, the book of your Bible. Uh, so today's message is called Sacrifice Today. So we, as I said just before, we've gone through what sacrifice is. But the best way to actually explore what sacrifice is today is to actually go into the Bible and to see that representation of sacrifice and surrender. So in Romans, Paul talks about this living sacrifice. The best way to explain sacrifice today is living sacrifice. So what is that? In Romans 12, 1 to 2, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plea with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, talking about your bodies, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. This is everything that we do. Our bodies, our speech, our thoughts, our movements, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is what, this is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. We do a lot of things, and as the video said just before, we do a lot of things to be able to express worship to him. But the best way to worship him is in our everyday, is our choices. Do, are we choosing to live for the world, or are we actually choosing to sacrifice our own ambitions to live for what God wants to do through our lives, what he has already planned? Prepurposed for us. As we saw in the clip before, when sacrificing an animal according to God's law, a priest would kill the animal, cut it into pieces, and place it on the altar. Sacrifice was so important. But even in the Old Testament, God made it clear that obedience from the heart during the sacrifice was much more important. God wants us to offer ourselves, not animals, ourselves as living sacrifices, daily laying aside our own desires to follow him, putting all of our energy and resources at his disposal, not our disposal, at his disposal, and trusting him to guide us. That's in our homes, in our workplace, in our community, in our groups of friends, 
All of our energy and resources that we bring at God's disposal. Let me put it this way. All of our energy and resources that God has already gifted us to be able to glorify the kingdom rather than just existing in this world. So how do we be successful in this? We turn back to the Bible. This is how we do it. Don't copy the behaviour and the customs of this world. It's the first one. So don't be squeezed into the mould of being acceptable in this present age. Don't be swayed or peer pressured or having to live up and keep up with the Joneses, but live for what God has created you to live for. And then it goes on and says this, Paul says this, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We need to be able to, last year we, we, we did the redirection of our minds during a series that we did at the back end of last year. But this is to transform the way that we think. He's going to transform us into a new person in the way that we approach things, the way that we react to things, the way that we model him by first changing the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. I've had plenty of conversations uh, since I've been in, in the church world is people sit there and go, how do I know God's will? Well, the only person that's going to actually know the will for your life is you. And the only way you're going to do that is actually seeking God, seeking his voice and seeking his will for your life. He has individually created you for a purpose. He has individually given you gifts for a purpose to be able to bless the kingdom. He has given you a purpose for a reason, not just to sit there and turn up on a Sunday and then go live your life from Monday through to Saturday. It's more about what we do with our lives rather than how we present ourselves. So then you will learn to know the will, the God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. And yes, I'm only human. We are only human and we do fall short. But if we continually seek, it's like training a muscle. It's like training for a, a big event. Is that if we continually seek, it's going to grow bigger in our lives and our selfish ambitions are going to grow smaller and smaller. goes on. Paul, here Paul is uh, warning everyone that, read, uh, that reads this letter. Uh, yes, he, he wrote it to the Romans, but he is warning everyone who reads this letter to the Romans. Don't copy the behaviour and the customs of this world that are usually selfish and often corrupting. Corrupting of the spirit, that is. If we are going to choose to be in this world but not of this world, then we need to go even deeper than just our behaviour and our customs. It must be firmly planted in our minds. As it said before, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It is possible to avoid most worldly customs. 
practicing that, that avoidance, uh, making those choices left, right and centre. But since you are not actually allowing your heart transformation that Paul speaks about, you are still going to battle being proud, being selfish, being stubborn, being arrogant. You need to allow your heart to be transformed as well as your mind. Only when we allow the spirit to renew, re-educate and redirect our minds, our eyes and our hearts is when we will be truly transformed. It's clearly explained in Romans 8.5 and I've chosen the Passion Translation just because of the wording um, that is around. It's absolutely fantastic. If you guys have been journeying with me as I've been at the front here, it's uh, words jump out like nothing else. Let's see what God's actually trying to actually get us to see. So listen to these. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Very clearly outlined there. But the next bit is probably, I think, is the most important. But those who live by the impulses, those impulses, those desires that you're drawn to of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. One of my favourite verses, one of my favourite pieces of scripture is in Ephesians 6. We are not battling flesh and blood, but the spiritual realms. We need to be attentive to that. God is after our heart and our spirit because that is what's true. So going into this, just breaking this down just a little bit, the back end of it, it says this. These things of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit, that is doing what pleases God. The Aramaic can be translated like this. Those who are in the flesh see him only in the flesh. I will say that again. Those who are in the flesh see him only in the flesh. They can't see beyond flesh and blood. But those who are in the spirit see him in spirit. Outside of the realm, outside of our box, outside of our world. Bigger than what we can actually think and ever imagine. A transformation of our lives, our whole lives. What does that look like? In Colossians 3, 15 to 17, I love the words of this. So can you follow with me? If you've got your Bibles, make sure you grab them now. This is fantastic, the, the words in this. Let peace, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. As I said before, the transformation of our minds also is the transformation of our hearts. So let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, that's us as the church, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. The word rule, as it was said before, Christ rule in your hearts, yeah? The word rule Yeah, the word rule comes from the language of athletics, 
Yeah, Paul encourages us to let Christ's peace, the way we handle situations, approach conflict, react to issues and treat people, let Jesus be the referee or the umpire in our hearts. We always have a choice. When we come up to a, cho- uh, a decision in life, whether that be an action that we're going to do, whether that be the way that we uh, handle conflict or whether that be the way that we approach people, even if we don't have a relationship with them, we may feel certain emotions to them. We have a choice to either deal with it in hostility and the way that the world sees is, is right and effective, or we can deal with it in peace and approach things in love. The way Jesus said that it was effective, modelled that it was effective, and then now lives through us in that living sacrifice. In our hearts is where the centre of conflict is because because there in our hearts our feelings and our desires clash. Our fears and our hopes Our distrust and our trust, our jealousy and our love. I've used this verse so many times because I love it because I think it's absolutely true and absolutely pinpoints everything. It's Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The Hebrew word levev is the most commonly used word heart. It includes our thoughts, our will, our discernment and our affections. How can we deal with these constant conflicts within our lives that arise within our lives personally, within our families, within our workplaces, at our churches, within our groups of friends? How can we deal with these constant conflicts? and still live as God desires in every situation. Paul explains in the letter to the Romans that we must consciously decide between the conflicting elements within our lives by using the rule of peace. What outcome is going to have the outcome of peace? What action is going to have the outcome of peace even though sometimes you may not agree that that might, be, might not be the best reaction to something. I think God's got a bigger plan. What choice in our situations, our discussions, our workplaces and our everyday will promote peace in our souls and in turn our communities, families and our churches? Which way are we going to approach things? Paul goes on. And says this. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. The message about Christ and about what he did leading up to on the cross and then the resurrection after the cross. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives lives. I could stop the message right there and say that is powerful enough because if we implement that in our lives, if we implement that message, the message about Christ in all its richness, fill your lives, then we will know the decisions that we need to make. 
But it goes on, Paul goes on. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and says this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Not the wisdom that we've accumulated throughout our lives and our experiences, but what God gives. Godly wisdom. Then goes on and says this. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We do not need to come together physically to be able to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We just need to open up our hearts and in our everyday be able to sit there and go, we are that thankful that we can just break out in worship. However that looks for you. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Whatever you know is good and pleasing to God whether that be in the way that you approach your work, whether that be in the way that you approach your teenage child, whether that be in the way that you you approach your screaming baby, whether that be in the way that you approach the neighbour across the uh, over the other side of the fence that may have been having parties and things like that. Are you worshipping God in the way that you're approaching every situation? You may even hate where you work. Or you may not even have, in this climate, not even have work. Are you still worshipping God? Or are you blaming him? It says that we need to do this with thankful hearts because he has provided so much more than what we can actually see, so much more than just flesh and blood. He has provided that way and he's already got that door open waiting for us to walk through. We need to make that decision. Thankful people are able to worship wholeheartedly. As gratitude for what we have opens up our hearts to God's peace and enables us to put on the clothes of love. But discontented people constantly calculate what is wrong with their life. If only I had this, I would be happy. If only I had this job, I would be happy. If only if God would actually show me this direction and know that uh, I'm actually comfortable, safe and secure, I would be happy. Have I got enough things in my life that is going to actually reflect who I am? Constantly calculating what is wrong in their lot of life. Paul goes on and says this. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. Everywhere, anytime, every day. This simply means reflect Jesus in everything you do, your speech, your actions, your thoughts, bringing honour to Christ in every aspect and activity that our da- of our daily life. As Christians, we represent Christ all the time, not just at church, not just doing ministry, but every day we live and breathe, we are to represent Christ. Wherever we go, Whatever we do and whatever we say, what impressions do people have of Christ when they see what you do and hear what you say? Are you actually reflecting God? Or are you reflecting the worldly 
desires. Moving on. Being a living sacrifice in the world today is completely living in God's love. Yeah, it sounds easy, but really hard when we're confronted with so many different things, so many grieving opportunities within life that are presented by the flesh and blood. But in Ephesians 5, 1-2, it says this. When we get to the slide. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. I have said this so many times, and I think that I'm a monotonous um, recording box when I say this. It's not about who you are, it's about whose you are. And when you actually step into that and own that, that you are a dearly loved, beloved child of God, you're able to see past people's faults. You're able to actually own that I can step here and, yes, I may not make that right decision, but God still loves me. He still sees me as his child. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Now, there is a whole different array of religions. But being a Christian... We own and we believe that we are children of God. And God not only paved the way, he actually sent his one and only son down here to be an example for the way that we should live. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. The Greek word mimitis frequently depicts an actor playing a role. So does it sound familiar? Mimics? Mimitis? God wants us to mimic him and be filled with his thoughts, his love, his deeds and his character. The only flaw here is that we actually have to allow him. We actually have to allow him to come through so that we can mimic him. I love the words here, but as you guys know, as you've been journeying with me, uh, I love to see different ways and different opportunities and different ways of expressing things. So in the new, in the Passion Translation, that same verse says this. Listen to these words. Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. Exactly what I said before. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. Sacrifice follows surrender. The Aramaic word for fragrance at the back end of this. So his great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration a sweet healing fragrance. The Aramaic word for fragrance can also be used as a healing balm. If we step into God as we are, we can expect to be healed, whether it be physically, whether it be spiritually, whether it be things from our past that continually keep on coming up, the wounds that seem to be opening up and opening up over and over again. If we step into his fragrance, we can reap his fragrance, the healing balm. 
that healing, sweet fragrance. But to completely understand the sacrifice, understand the sacrifice in its entirety, we need to explore the people that went before us. Yes, Jesus expressed shows and shows and is the ultimate sacrifice which gives us the ability to not only live in freedom but to accept the invitation to true life through his surrender. Before Jesus walked on the earth, there were so many stories throughout the Bible that regards sacrifice and surrender. But the one that I want to quickly highlight this morning is the obedient sacrifice reflected through Abraham when he was told by God to take his one and only son, Isaac, up to be a burnt offering. We pick it up in Genesis 22, verse 2, and it says this, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moorah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. So those that know the story know that he did that. He, they went up to the mountains. And then as they're going up to the mountains, this is the, one of the things that, that absolutely blew me away. And, um, and I, I, I've read it before over and over again, and this is not the first time that I've explored this, but God highlighted it to me again, is that uh, uh, they left the servants behind and Abraham, um, or the people that went through them, they left them behind and Abraham and Isaac went up to the mountain as God was speaking to Abraham going, um, saying this is the direction to where he wants the, the altar to be built and then the burnt sacrifice of his son to be happening. Isaac turns around and he goes, look, we've got the wood for the, the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham's response was, God will provide. As they got up there, we, we, know, uh, we know the story. As he built the altar. They, they did the, he tied up Isaac. Um, Isaac would have not been understanding. Either would have uh, uh, Abraham. But then this happens. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as the sacrifice in obedience to what he, yeah, that God had spoken to him in. He stepped into that obedience. He picks up the knife. And at that moment, an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God with the obedience. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. He stepped into being, even though he was sacrificing his son, his one and only son, and there is a back-end story to that that we could go down like nothing else. But he was available for God, even though he didn't maybe not agreed with it. I wouldn't have agreed with it if God turns around and says, sacrifice Oliver. I'll be like, oh, but... Abraham stood and said, you're telling me to do this, God, so I'm going to do this, even though I don't understand it. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Going back to going up the mountain, even though 
Abraham didn't know what he was, what God was going to do. He turned around to Isaac, his son, and he turned around and said, we don't have a sheep or a ram or something to actually sacrifice. Abraham, knowing that he is going to probably do the most devastating thing in his life, sacrificing his son, he turns around and goes, God will provide. God will provide. So Abraham named the place Yahweh Yeroen which means the Lord will provide. The place that he built the altar, that burnt sacrifice. So the two things here that I want to highlight is Abraham's willingness to be obedient, even though he didn't really understand why God was asking him to do what he wanted him to do. And the second thing is Abraham's perseverance in knowing that God will provide. God's will will be done. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 21. Okay, we're starting to wrap it up now. Um, but I, I want to share these verses with you. Is that so we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. As Christians, I, I know for me when I first became a Christian, it was hard for me to tell my non-Christian friends that I was a Christian, that this is the life that I chose because of fear of rejection or fear of, of uh, being teased. But we, as we step into who we are in Christ, we are need to not be ashamed of who God has created us to be. God is making his appeal through us. In 2 Corinthians, it goes on and says this, we speak for Christ. We speak for Christ when we plea, come back to God making disciples of all nations, getting out the good word of the kingdom, making people realise real life instead of just existing. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we would have a way, so that we would not be going astray, so that we could be made right with God through Christ the gift of sacrifice. So how do we do this? I could just sit there and preach to you, but um, as we wrap up, I just wanted to give you three quick things. How do we do this? First of all, we be available. If we are not open for God to transform us, we will never experience the promised life, the power and the love God has always intended for us. To be able to see things through his eyes, approach situations with his heart and to model his love, life and light for the kingdom, we need to be willing to be available, even if it makes no sense or makes us feel uncomfortable. In James 1 it says this perfectly. Whatever you... Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming from down from God, uh, coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Whatever is good and perfect. The Aramaic word used here is shimalta, shimalta, which means complete, wholesome, abundant, sufficient, enough, and perfect. That perfect gift, that abundant, that complete, that sufficient gift. It is a gift or a legacy coming down to us from God, our Father. 
Jesus calls us the light of the world. We find this in Matthew 5. And Paul describes believers as the shining lights in this world. We find that in Philippians 2. God is our Father. He created angels. But yet he brought us into new birth here in the, in the earth. There's a reason behind that. The Greek word, athon, which means from above. Athon, which means from above, is used by Jesus in describing to Nicodemus that we are born from above. We are born from above. We are lights born from above to do God's work here on earth. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow or a shadow of turning. The implication is there that, that is there is that nothing that we nothing that you will never find anything wrong with God. Nothing in him could ever be remotely or appear remotely to be evil in any way, shape or form. The more, the more you get to know him and are available to him, the more that you realize he's beautiful, he's perfect, he's progressive plan and purpose for you in his life. The second one this morning is be present. If we are not present in what God is doing in and around our lives, we will, we will not even notice what he is doing. We will go about our lives trying to be a good Christian but never experiencing the promised abundant life. If we are just being good people, but we are not using the gifts that God has blessed us with and we are not taking the opportunities to show his love and light, and, but we are not living the life that he has prepared for us individually in the good times and the hard times, then what is going to happen on his return? In Hebrews 9.28 it says this, but when we die we will be face to face with Christ, the person that actually sacrificed his life for us. The one who experienced death once for all to bear the sins for many. And now to those who eagerly wait him, he will appear a second time. The Aramaic the Aramaic word can be translated when we're talking about the bear the sins is that he actually obliterated them on the cross. And those that who eagerly await him, this means to live a life fully in his presence in everything that we do. He will appear a second time, not to deal with the sin that he's already dealt with, but to bring us into the fullness of salvation. The last one for this morning as we wrap up, be intentional. Determination, purpose, boldness and steadiness are the four key components in being intentional. I think that being intentional and therefore living out these characteristics is essential to living a life in Christ. If we are not intentional in our relationship with God, our spiritual growth, our exercising and implementation of our faith and our reliance in Jesus for our everything, then how can we expect the power that rose Jesus from the grave 
be present in our lives today. The last verse that I want to share with you this morning is from Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't attack thoughtlessly, but understand. Don't act thoughtlessly, sorry. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. You need to seek his will in your life. We need to die to ourselves. For us to, uh, to fully become living sacrifices in a world that God has sent us, then we need to die to ourselves, our selfish desires, our worldly ambitions, and the view of everything in it, and rise into who and what God has always intended us to be. And here is the major part of this. We need to choose to do this daily. It's not just one choice. We need to choose to do this daily, to become effective, kingdom-dwelling, living sacrifices. We need to allow a death to us each day. I know some hard, <laughs> hard things there, but I'm hoping that we can't just be impacted today that this is an opportunity for us to take an invitation to become those living sacrifices. If today, in some way, shape or form, it is, uh, it is made you to make a decision, whether it is you making a decision for the first time or whether it is you actually sitting there going, no, I have been a Christian, I've been coming to church regularly, but yet I haven't actually experienced what God wants me to do. I haven't actually been living the life that God wants me to be, that living sacrifice. I want that today then I'm going to offer up a prayer right now. And I would love for you to, to, to follow with me. Heavenly Father, I know I have sinned and I know that I have messed up this gift of life that you have given. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. And through his resurrection, I am ready to live and not just exist. I'm ready to stop living in darkness and start living in the light. But I can't do this on my own. My life is yours. I give it to you as a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm hoping that you, not just, as I said before, not just encouraged, but this is an invitation for you to take, and I am praying this morning that we can, as his children, step into what has already been prepared for us. I hope you have a great week. Uh, make sure that you keep close to the socials and your emails as the, the next um, practically equipped theme is going to be launched this week leading up to next Sunday as we launch it off. Those that are interested in, in everything that is going on, including the Alpha course, make sure that you uh, keep uh, close watch of the, the socials and emails. But other than that, bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org www.cofcpenrith.org